0: Chesapeake Offshore Sailing Services, helping you win the race to the starting line. Hi, this is Brian from Chesapeake Offshore Sailing Services, uh, coming at you with another podcast. Uh, I know it's been a little while since our last one. Things have been quite busy. We've been uh, doing some training out in California for TransPAC, um, got a lot of things uh, lined up for the business. Uh, Things are going well, so this is a good problem to have, but uh, in the meantime, we haven't really been able to uh, get around to doing this podcast. So, When last we left you, we were going through the top 10 things that can ruin your offshore sailing experience, uh, ways to screw up your boat, basically. And on that first installment, it, it went to about 57 minutes, which I think is just... A little bit too long for a podcast. Uh, I don't want to do another hour long podcast. I'm not sure that you're ready to sit in your car and listen to an hour of me talking. So I think we're gonna try something a little different on this. Uh, I'm just gonna go through, and we'll talk about each of the individual things in their own podcast, and then the next one will just be the next episode. So for today's uh, discussion, we're gonna talk about boom damage. You know, when you when you do offshore races, when you do cruising. It's, it's not hugely common, right? You don't You're not seeing booms bent all over the place, but it is one of the things that will just ruin the trip, right? I mean, you can fix and jury rig a lot of things, but boom damage is, is a, a real game changer. and uh, it' it's, it's, you know, it's something that you know you'll still be able to get to your destination. but your race is over, your stress levels are through the roof. If you have any kind of bad weather, And you're trying to use, I don't know, a reef mainsail or just sail under the jib alone. It limits your options in terms of maneuverability, et cetera. And it does happen. And it is one of the several types of major failures where it's actually fairly easy to uh, identify a root cause. You know, if if you're in business, uh, you might do a root cause analysis. God forbid you're uh, a lean six sigma person. You'll you'll know about uh, fishbone diagrams for finding out the many many reasons why something bad has happened. And boom damage is actually sort of like a perfect lean six sigma thing because there are so many different things that can go wrong that can result in breaking your boom on the boat. So if you recall from the last installment here, we would kind of talk about prevention of a failure. We talk about three modes uh, of avoiding failures on the boat for each type of common failure. And so number one is prevention. And we define prevention as what you would do on the dock. Uh, so uh, again, these are just fairly arbitrary definitions that we're using because we've gotta, we got to put a definition to them and put a name to them. So prevention for my purposes and the way that I look at these things from a safety perspective is what you can do on the dock before you left the boat. It's the things that you should have thought about well before you're on, you know, underway. So that's number one. So we'll look at prevention. We're going to look at avoidance. Avoidance is when you're underway, and that has a lot to do with how you sail the boat and how your tr- crew are trained and you know, different things to be mindful of that are, are going to avoid the problem in the first place. And then, of course, the last one, which is pretty important, is mitigation. And that's what you do after it breaks. You know, how do you fix the thing? Do you have the materials on board to fix the thing? And, you know, each different kind of boat is going to lean more heavily on uh, different aspects. You know, a really good sailing crew can get away with a lot on a crappy boat because their technique is so good and so strong and they know where the weaknesses are, they know how to baby the equipment. A cruising boat with a shorthanded couple, they may just go for a boat that's a tank and have lots of spares and be able to fix whatever breaks uh, due to inexperience or just a lack of, of sufficient crew and rest. So, so let's look at boom damage. Well, let's look at the causes, first off. Booms, why do they break when, when you see a boat coming in with a bent boom? What's happened? Slam jibes are generally uh, generally what's what's happening here, and you know you can have a slam jibe from uh, the boat running downwind in heavy waves, that may cause a a jibe if uh, you have an inattentive helmsman. Um, so that's step one, right? Your boat's just normally set up, uh, no preventers or anything on there. Your helmsman loses control of the boat. You get a crazy wave coming from in a weird direction. Bam, you do a slam jibe, next thing you know, your boom's broken or bent. A preventer uh, obviously will, will hop, stop that. Uh, preventers, uh, there's a sort of debate between uh, which is better, a preventer or a boom break or nothing at all. You're gonna find that your highly experienced racing crews are kinda gonna want neither of those. They're gonna say, I know how to sail the boat. This is an experienced boat. We don't strap preventers to everything. We just race the boat fast and properly. And, you know, our experience is what is going to help us to keep from breaking that thing. And and again, that goes to the strengths of who's on the boat. But again, offshore, if somebody thinks they're good and they're not, or they get into experiencing conditions that they're actually a little bit out of their depth, or or they're just really, really tired, right, Uh, you know, after about four days offshore when everybody's sleep cycles gotten a little weird, you know, people aren't at their best. So preventers can be good. Or boom breaks. A boom Baker is a device that that basically will allow the the boom to jibe over to the other side, but it slows it down. so that it sort of softens the impact uh, on the boom and you know gives people a half a second more to make sure their head is not in the way of a, uh, a slam jibe, uh, which could basically scramble your brains. I mean, if you get hit with that boom offshore on a, on a big boat, uh, there's, there's not a lot of coming back from that. Uh, there's a, there's an old story about a boat that I think there were like half the crew, uh, were actually literally were brain surgeons on the boat and somebody got hit with a, an accidental job in the head. And for all their many, many years of experience, there was nothing they could do for the guy. Dead. DOA. They had to bring his body home. So yeah, a little morbid, but that's the reality so a boom break can avoid that a boom preventer can avoid that as well you can have a Chinese jibe from just running two big sails you know you're, you're running a, a spinnaker downwind everything gets overpowered you Chinese jibe and then next thing you know the boats on the wrong side and that boom just comes down like a scythe if you see some of the videos of the Chinese jibes you can see there's like that you know half a second when the boom is just pointed straight up in the air, and then it just comes down like a ton of bricks. I mean, really scary to think of anybody being even close to in the way of that. And, and not even just the boom. Being in the way of the main sheet for something like that can kill you just as quickly, uh, especially on a, a larger boat. You know, if you're looking at a 40-plus foot boat, uh, the forces are so great that, I mean, it's it can be really dangerous. Preventers run incorrectly is one that I see all the time, and I see it all the time, even on boats that should know better. People with big boats that do a lot of offshore racing, and you wouldn't think it'd be hard to run incorrectly, but there's actually some. There's some guidance out there that's old guidance It came from a guy who did some of the safety stuff for Newport or Bermuda many many years ago. I mean, if you look at, you look at the information, you can tell it's like from like windows 98 or something you know this is really old stuff and their diagram shows the preventer being attached basically like right just straight down from the boom on the rail or even just a little bit forward of uh, the shrouds and I'll talk a little bit about why that's wrong in a minute one of the things that actually ha- has happened, and I've heard about it more than once, is that people who are not using preventers but using boom brakes, well, there are, those things are adjustable. Uh, there's a couple different um, types out there. One type, you basically route the line through uh, the sort of aluminum or stainless steel ring thing and you can kind of loop it through a few different ways and and the more you loop it through this ring the more friction there is and the more friction there is obviously the slower the boom comes across another type is kind of just two uh, pressure plates with a like a a dial to dial the pressure in on it and so that just grips the line more firmly and so the the more you crank the thing down the the harder it is for the rope to slide through the boom break and the slower your, your boom's gonna come across and so if those are incorrectly adjusted or you're just looking at using them and testing them out uh, under really light loads it it doesn't necessarily correspond to the amount of force and and the way the boom is going to come across in a slam jibe. so there are people who have had had their boom break on and thought they were just adjusted beautifully they slam jibe. it was adjusted just a little bit too tight and It still had the effect of holding the middle of the boom from moving the back of the boom keeps going it's that momentum thing and snap the boom goes goes folding in half and uh, another one is is again this kind of talks to technique uh whoever's doing main sheet there's a way to bring in that bring in that main uh fast and then ease it out uh, on the backside that can just reduce the load And, and and as opposed to just letting all, it all just come crashing across, right? Like that's kind of the, the worst possible scenario is that it's super high winds and you jive the boat and you know nobody has done anything to to slow down that, that, um, that main boom from going across. Uh, and so that, that speaks to technique. So uh, how do you prevent this, right? At the dock, so like I said, we're gonna kind of go through the three the three aspects of how you you stop this stuff from screwing up your race or your cruise uh i i talk a lot about racing because that's what i do mostly these days but i was a cruiser for many years i've sailed literally halfway across the world uh halfway around the world on a older cruising boat and so i've kind of touched most aspects of sailing uh, offshore whether that be racing in larger boats or sailing a smaller uh, older boat which uh, was always my experience All my boats have been old. I don't have the money for the big TP52s like some people do, but God bless those people because they let me sail a boat every now and then. Okay, um, yeah, so prevention on the dock. So prevention, I mean, number one is install a boom break or a preventer. Pretty much every offshore race has a requirement that the boat be fitted with a boom break and preventer. I do the inspections of racing sailboats for the Annapolis to Bermuda Race. I've done, ra- I've done all the races since uh, 2014, I've, I've inspected boats. Actually for 2020, I'm running the uh, safety committee for that race. And so one of the things that's just written into the regulations is that each boat has to have either a boom break or a preventer. So that's number one of what you can do. Number two is install the preventer appropriately. Uh, the attachment location, and like I was kind of alluding to before, the attachment location, for the preventer is absolutely key, and I'll give you two first-hand examples of what happens when it's done wrong. And conveniently enough, the first one is my example. So on my older cruising sailboat, like I, I told you about before, um, I was when I started cruising, I, I didn't have a ton of experience. I'd I'd read as much as I could in books, and some of these things just weren't laid out. They they would say, you know, you should run this this way, and they never would say why the other way was not as good and so when you're looking at installing a preventer right you maybe you have um a block and tackle right that's what i had i had a spare block and tackle that i would use as my preventer um you know like like you might have on a a main sheet on a a somewhat smaller boat and so i would clip that on to the end of my boom and then run that down to the rail i had a a a teak toe rail with um a sail track on it and sail track had, you know, a little loop that I could clip things onto, uh, and that was basically right below, maybe a little bit forward, of uh, the attachment point on the boom, where I would attach that thing on the rail. And the problem with that, which I learned uh, during, in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, is that when your boom loads up, or you, when you backwind the, the um, mainsail through poor driving, my brother, by the way, not me, uh, he jibed the boat a lot, or uh, almost jibed the boat a lot. Um, so when you back that that main, the boom wants to go both back and up, right? You know, it's not just going to come across. It's going to it's going to want to kind of pull up, and the forces from the boom, with the preventer attachment being basically straight down or uh, just almost straight down to the rail, that upward pull that back and up the the forces are absolutely tremendous on that okay it's just the physics of the thing and so what happened on my boat is I was down below sleeping during the off watch my brother's up driving it's just the two of us we're double handing from Marquesas to Tahiti actually and I I heard a noise I heard a commotion I went up Kev you okay he jived the boat back around on his own. I guess he, he you know, he uh, he corrected. And, uh, yeah, okay, fine. I go back to sleep. Everything's fine. He says it's fine. I come back up on deck, and what do I see? But I see a about a five-foot section of my teak tow rail dangling from the bottom of the boom. And the boom luckily didn't break, right? Uh, luckily, I had this older boat with an old teak tow rail, and looked like some of the um, the um, heads of the bolts had maybe a little bit of corrosion, so they snapped off. And so it literally ripped off a section of my tow rail. And thank God it didn't break the boom, because I'd have been in real trouble. I can live without a tow rail. I can't live without a boom when I've got another 700 miles to go. And so that happened directly because of the, the upward pull. Now, the prescribed way to do this is to not, direct it straight down, but to go forward towards the bow. And there's a few reasons why that's better. Number one is that the physics of the thing, the force on that line when it's moving forward versus just straight down, right? That upward pull is what really hurts you. It's not the back, it's the up, okay? The up is much more forceful. And the second thing that makes it a lot easier is that now you've got, depending on the size of your boat, You know 15 feet or so of line you know most often there's going to be a little bit of give in that line so if you have a hard backwind uh where you've driven the boat incorrectly that shock load can be absorbed a little bit by that length of line if you've only got you know four feet of line there and it's bar tight because you're pulling straight down right you're kind of using it like a vang and a preventer when you have it set up that way there's a lot less uh, give to that So uh, the second time I saw that, right, I kind of learned my lesson uh, the hard way. And I was on a a nice 40, I won't say exactly how long, but let's just say it was in the mid-40s. And the preventer was attached in a very similar fashion, this time to a pad eye uh, on the deck near the shrouds. And, you know, this is a big boat with a lot of loads. Wasn't even a particularly windy day, I mean, maybe 15, 17 knots of breeze. And I'm watching the deck pull up. I can I can literally see the fiberglass around that pad eye just pulling up in a hump where, where that preventer is. And, you know, luckily nothing gave way. But, I mean, if we were in real breeze and that was led that way, there's a, a very good chance you could just rip out a chunk of deck on that boat. With that preventer I mean the forces are tremendous and and think about it let's say you didn't rip out a chunk of deck which I think that the, the deck might be the weak link in this particular boat because it was bowing up but if that's not the weak link let's say it's just a super strong built boat um, then it's the boom the boom wherever your attachment point to the boom is that's where it's gonna fail so yeah proper attachment of the preventer is key you got to lead it forward don't necessarily need to lead it all the way right up to the bow. Um, You know, if you have a point that's a little bit back from the bow, that can work well. Uh, The problem with why people don't do that is because it's a pain in the ass, to be honest. The preventer run all the way forward and then you want to jive the boat and you got to unhook it and you got to go forward and it's just, it's way easier just to clip down to that railing that's close to the shrouds and you just feel like, oh, sure, it's strong in that area. It should be fine. She'll be right, right? Yeah, she'll be right. Never broke before. Well, my boat never broke before, and I have ripped out a five-foot section of my friggin' tow rail, so you can imagine how I feel about that at this point. But for my boats, there's you and the boats I've been on. There's almost always two cleats up by the bow. Uh, you you would likely have your um, some of your jack lines attached to those, and that's a convenient place to put a like a webbing strop. So maybe you don't want to attach it directly. Uh, you know your preventer directly there, but. You put a nice webbing strop uh through there you know double back on itself like a cow hitch and then attach um what i like to use here is you, you can use a block but you don't need a block on this one uh, the antel uh stainless or not stainless steel sorry the antel uh powder coated aluminum rings there the low friction rings are perfect for this because uh, again you're all you're doing this isn't actually being used like a block. You're just using it to take up slack. It's a high strength item. They're really cheap, and that's a way to do it. Uh, so yeah, Antel low friction rings. You basically will run a. You can use a spectral line that goes up underneath the boom, so that would like stay underneath the boom when you're not using it. Just kind of hooked on a little bit of bungee. We sell we sell a whole kit um to give you to to set your boat up for that. Uh, and then basically you take that spectra, have a clip on the end of the spectra. The spectra clips onto just a regular piece of, you know, regular piece of like stay set X or just even stay set. It doesn't even matter. It can have a little bit of flex in it. It's not a big deal. Uh, then that goes out forward, back through the, the low friction ring, and then back to the cockpit. If you have a convenient um, rope clutch, you can use a rope clutch. It's not even the kind of thing that you need to go out and buy a rope clutch for. Rope clutch for a big size line is pretty expensive, so if you got a convenient cleat somewhere, you can just cleat it off, and then as you jibe, you just undo that. You can unclip it, unclip that spectre from one side, jibe the boat, then reroute it and and clip the other. You can do one on, you can do one of those on either side, or you can do, uh, one, and then swap from side to side. Swapping from side to side, it's just a little bit more of a pain in the butt, but again how many how much spaghetti do you want running all over the deck um it's sort of it's sort of dealer's choice on on how you set that up so yeah proper preventer attachment is is key for for any system on a boat that's going to have large large loads in it what i will tend to do is try and find where the weak link is i don't want my weak link to be the boom i don't want a broken boom to be the result of what was the, the weakest link, right? You have Dy- Dyneema line now, so strong you could you could literally rip the winches off your boat with the amount of force that that Dyneema can take. So when I talk about that strap, where I I can attach the uh, the anti low friction ring, one thing you can do, depending on where you want that to be, right? You can you can have your weak link be the shackle. You can have their weak link be some attachment points for the, the anti-low friction ring. So you might want to take some, I don't know if you know what small stuff is, but it's basically uh, a really light line. It's like that white line sell, they sell it in all the marine stores. You can take some small stuff and do a bunch of wraps of that and let that be your weak link, Bet that be your fuse. You know, look at what the breaking strength of all the different ropes you have are and then attach that. Uh, that is probably fairly controversial for some people. A lot of people, their mindset is just, we're going to make everything as strong as possible so nothing ever breaks. And I, I definitely see the benefit of that as well. But I also understand that with a preventer, one of the main arguments against a preventer is that if you have trouble and your boom hits the water and your preventer is on, then that preventer is actually holding your boom down in the water and leaving all that force on on the boom and on the boat and that's potentially a a cause for the boom to break right so the preventer is supposed to keep it from accidental jibing but if it holds your boom down into the rushing water when you're in the middle of some really nasty stuff that's not really good either so in that situation i'd rather have my fuse blow and uh believe me you know it's not going to blow like out of the blue you know that that boom hits the water everybody knows something's up and hopefully all their heads are ducked because you know that thing's going to come screaming across when the fuse breaks. Again, uh, opinions vary, you know, you make your choices and you, you take your chances. One of the other potential places for breakage when we talk about what's the weak link is uh, a lot of older boats will have uh, what's called a bale style attachment for preventers and, and for your main sheet and things like that. And it's you know sort of a U-shaped stainless steel thing that could is attached to your boom through a a through bolt big through bolt and those big through bolts tend to end up being a kind of a tear here a line for where a boom breaks you know especially if you have a a mid sheet on the boom so if your your main sheet is in the middle of the boom like on the cabin top like a lot of more cruisy boats are that's great and it's really convenient and and there are many advantages to that but the forces on it are, are way higher, and your chances of breaking that boom are way more than if you have n boom sheeting, which is like you know your boats from the 70s or race boats. That traveler in the cockpit that every cruising boat doesn't want to have because it's in the way of the, you know, the cocktails and all that. Well, that attachment point of the main sheet right at the end of the boom is so much stronger, and the boom itself is so much stronger uh, and more resistant to breakage because those attachment points in the middle of the boom... Those holes for the through bolts, uh, they're they're just a weak point, and there's no way no way around it. And, and most booms are not like double sleeved in in the area of uh, where those things are attached. If you are, you're, you're pretty lucky. So one thing you can do to kind of avoid that is using Dyneema straps around the boom as your attachment points. You know, if you look at um, your racing goats, a lot of the way sails are attached. Um, you know, the Clue is always like a big Velcro, a Dyneema Velcro strap that goes around around the boom. Um, the main sheet is a Dyneema strap, um, that's attached it's not attached, you know, a carbon fiber boom is not going to have a bunch of holes drilled in it, right? They're, they're going to use straps to, to attach those things on there. So that's, that's a thing to consider, you know, avoid big giant through bolts through your boom if you can, if you can. Yeah, I just uh, you know some of the different boom breaks I was talking about. Wishard does a very nice one. That's probably the most popular. There's also there's also a guy online on eBay that sells a uh, a pretty nice stainless steel one. It's bare bones. It's probably like maybe a third of the price, if that, of the Wishard one. Yeah, I think it actually looks nicer. And then there's the other kinds where it's like sort of different pressure on a drum and things like that. For simplicity's sake, I kinda like the ones like the Wishard or, or uh it's like, you know, Captain Jim's uh boom break or whatever. The Captain Jim one isn't rated for really big boats though, so if you're like a forty five foot boat, you probably want to go with the Wishard. Yeah, like I was saying, boom the boom bales, old school boom bands can cause point loading and that can uh there's actually a, a new product called a sail fuse, which I like. Um that is Basically, like I was just talking about the weak link, you know, my fuse is just a uh, you know a lighter line that I know is going to break before everything else. But this thing is actually sort of uh, calibrated for use with a a um a boom. And if you look it up online to see how they work and all, it's pretty cool. I mean, honestly, if you don't want to worry about the um, figuring out exactly what's going to break and what's not when you're doing your, your wraps this thing might be worth it for you. It's interesting at the very least. So anyway, that's uh that's kind of how you can avoid the boom damage, right? I mean, uh, before you leave the dock is just the preventers and the um, the boom breaks and uh, your attachment points. so when now we're talking about avoidance, right? what can you do underway uh, that that's gonna stop your boom from snapping off or bending and you know I'll give you the laundry list here. number one, Select the right driver. When, when things are, are heavy, when you're in big waves and big wind, this is not time for the B team. You know, your best guy should be on the wheel. And if you're the owner of the boat, you need to be honest with yourself. Are you the best driver in, in big winds? Um, that is not always the case. Uh, I know that the owner wants to think they're the best at everything. But if you've got a talented guy who can, can make that boat sing uh, in, the, in the big waves, have him on the stick. Um, it just makes sense. Uh, use the preventer when the conditions warrant it. I, I'm not gonna lie. I'm not driving around boats on the ocean with a preventer on at all times. And the preventer is something that comes out when things get nasty. Uh, now, some people would say, yeah, we're gonna use it all the time, and that's fine. Again, uh, you know, your uh, your mileage may vary, but uh, when things get real, you need to have that thing ready to roll and, and make it easy, you know, make your your crew understand how and where it's used. Uh, also, how to blow the preventer when it needs to be again you don't want to get pinned um third thing use proper jibe techniques you know that's that's really really basic and you know your racing crew is going to know how to jibe a boat but if you've got your delivery crew you know how many times do you hear uh how many times i've heard where you know oh we had a great race and then delivery crew is taking the boat home from bermuda or you know Marblehead or wherever wherever you're going um, and uh, yeah, delivery crew breaks stuff, it's like oh yeah we, we blew out the traveler, we blew out this and that and the other um, so no matter who's on your boat just make sure that your main sheet person understands how you're supposed to jibe a boat, you know, they've got to control that main sheet as it runs across especially in heavy weather, you know, bring that sheet in fast and then let it out uh, you know control that, that power you know, you, you may want to, if it's really bad, uh, and you can, you know, if, if there isn't too much force in the main, you know, bring that main sheet in as much as you can before the jive. Now that may make it tough for the driver to drive the boat. So you're going to have to talk to your driver and, and see just how much force you can put on there. Uh, and that's a little bit boat specific, you know, some boats, it matters more than others. Um, but you know, the thing you don't want is the main going coming, you know, un, unimpeded from fully out up against the spreaders all the way across the boat and slamming on the other side. You know, that that's just bad news. Uh, if it's really crazy, uh, you know, and again, a racing boat, you're going to be hard-pressed to do this. But if you're shorthanded uh, and it's just you and your wife, um, you know, you might want to chicken jibe the boat. What is a chicken job chicken boat is just tacking. Just go all the way around to the tack and come back. Um there's no shame in a chicken jibe, especially when it's just you and your wife, and everybody's scared, and everybody's tired. Uh, you know, you're still gonna get where you need to be. You're not if you're not racing, go for it. And even if you are racing, if it's bad enough, and you don't trust the people that are on deck, go ahead and chicken jab. Uh I'll get I'll get hell for that one. Don't chicken jibe if you're racing. Just send it. <laughs> uh, reefing, you know, uh, again. Try not to get caught with your pants down. If you see the the great black wall of death is coming at you, and you feel like the sails that you have up are, are not gonna make the boat go as fast as it could or uh, or keep the boat under control, uh, then reef that reef that boat, reef that mainsail. It doesn't take long. Um, you know, for the racers out there, I would say my advice with reefing is you should be able to reef that boat like blazingly fast you know a couple minutes have all your lines marked so that you can just you can just drop the main, suck in that uh, that clue and um, or the tack um, and just reef it and be done in a in a heartbeat it, it should not take more than a couple minutes to reef a main. Um, and yeah jibe when the boat is moving fastest and smooth you know smooth water that's like the textbook thing right um you know you don't want to drive when the boat is speeding up the apparent wind etc cetera, etc cetera. that all sounds great but the reality of it is like if it's really shitty out where's the smooth water going to be you know <laughs> you're asking yourself like uh where is this smooth water that i'm supposed to be driving in uh you know there there may well be no no good good section of water that feels like it's so much better than the rest um but hey if 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 those are the conditions you can do it by all means go for it uh and of course check the boom break settings uh you know make sure that things haven't tightened up on you or or gotten different from when you when you set it up initially um and, and that's that can go a long way all right so here you are your chucklehead on the wheel has jived the boat. Maybe it's been you. Everybody's tired. Somebody set up the preventer wrong. Um, nobody put the preventer on. Guys don't like the preventer. The thing came across full speed, and now you broke your boom, or you bent your boom. Um, how do you fix it? Well, I mean, there's pretty much... There, there are not very many failures... That are as difficult to remedy as a broken boom on the boat. I mean, with the ex- even if you even if you break standing rigging, with a you know three pounds worth of uh, bulldog clips and a, and a bit of chain, you can fix your rig. You know, it's 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 possible. The boom, you you're sort of becoming an engineer, and so I I say. That because it is one of the higher risk breakages if you happen to have access to a small section of that that boom uh, like for instance on my last boat uh, the boom that I put on the boat uh, was new uh, and to cut it to length you know I had about a, a foot extra of the boom right well if you have that section of boom you can potentially use that to sleeve sleeve it so maybe you keep that in the bilge uh, somewhere low where it's out of sight out of mind and then if you break the thing you've got some raw materials other suggestions maybe some just aluminum plate uh, you know some thin aluminum if you don't have a a section of the boom pop rivet gun section a two by four you know some some of the wood Uh, again all this is going to be just like the most half-assed jury rigging kind of engineering that you're gonna do. and even if you do manage to put the thing together or get it a little straighter than it was, like it may just bend, right? It may just bend and you would just baby the thing. But even if you do get the thing together, like you' you're talking about a reef mainsail. Um, you know you're gonna have a a, a tap, um, you know drill obviously you're gonna drill and tap some some um, some holes in there to attach things. The pop rivet, I think, is the fastest and easiest. If you got some nice long stainless rivets, you know, blind rivets work really well inside a boom, and a trisail, Right, your boat should have a trisail on it, and you know, boats have been getting away from the tri-sails, right? That people are saying, okay, certain races no longer require you to have a tri-sail because I can reef the main, I have a deep reef and my third reef in the main, et cetera. And to me, that there there's a lot of merit to that, right? Because n- People don't use the trysail. You know, we have hundreds of boats that go on these races every year. When things get really bad, do they bust out the trysail? Hell, no, they don't. If things are bad enough on a modern boat that you need a trysail, it's pretty uncommon for people to pull all that rigmarole out. You know, you, unless you have a dedicated track on the boom or on the mast, uh, and you're ready to rig it, and it's just easy as, as can be. People are not going to use it. They're just going to go with the deepest reef, and then from the deepest reef, they're going to go to bare poles and wait, wait it out. Um, and that's what happens ninety nine percent of the time. I'm very confident in saying that people just aren't really using trysails like like you think they are. But if you break your boom, and you got no, you need a boom for you know, I don't care how deep your reef your main. If your boom broken aft, you're not doing a damn thing, and the trysail is pretty much the only way you're going to get some power in the back half of the boat. So a trysail, uh, while it is pretty unlikely it's going to be used, they're pretty small and not that expensive, relatively speaking, compared to the the rest of your boat. And uh, and if the boom breaks, it's probably one of the only things that is going to really keep you keep you moving. I mean, I, I you know we say you're going to try and splint this boom, but the reality of that situation, especially if conditions are nasty, uh, it's that's a pretty that's a pretty big ask i mean you you know you're looking at like bernard morticia stuff if if you're if you're able to do that and you come back in with a splinted boom you're going to be like the talk of the dock you're going to be a total badass for the rest of your sailing career because that's that's just not the kind of repair that the average person is going to make and be able to make on the water in the middle of the ocean so anyway Again, this is why I'm only doing one of these each because I kind of tend to go on little tangents. But I think the information I'm giving you is, is probably useful. And, uh, you know, hopefully you're learning something. So, all right, uh, that's pretty much it. I think I'm going to do boom failure as my big talk for the day. And we'll come back next time. We'll probably talk about goosenecks a little bit. Uh, gooseneck failures are another common one. But, again, that's uh, that's our big talk for the day. Uh, boom breakages. uh Probably won't happen to you, but if it does, it's going to really suck hard, so uh, be prepared. All right, that's it. Thanks a lot. And this is Brian signing off for Chesapeake Offshore Sailing Services. And if you need us to uh, get you ready for the next race, please give us a call. We're doing a lot of provisioning right now for, for boats, preparing you know really nice meals, uh, way better than the freeze-dried stuff. And you know Annapolis to uh, Newport is coming up this year, so we'll be doing some boats for Naps to Newport. And uh, give us a call. All right. Thanks very much, and we'll talk to you soon. (laughs) Bye-bye.